This is a CBC podcast. Hi there, I'm David Cochran, and this is a special edition of the Power and Politics podcast, featuring my year-end conversation with Governor General Mary Simon at Rideau Hall. It's been a busy year for the Crown's representative in Canada. There's a new king. She had a special message for the Ukrainian president, and she continued her campaign against online hate. Here is that conversation. Governor General, thank you for your time. It's my pleasure. When we last spoke, uh, you shared with me uh, some pretty difficult examples of, of abusive language you'd faced online. Has it gotten any better as the year comes to an end, or am I hopelessly naive in hoping social media can improve? Well, I'm not sure you're naive, but it's, it's a difficult process, and uh, the online um, messages continue. Uh, although we closed off our, our comment section on our web platforms or social pl- uh, social platforms, mm-hmm. um, th- people figure out other ways of getting the message across. So it continues. And um, since I last spoke to you, I have started talking more publicly about what's going on. And uh, I'm engaging a lot of people in this discussion. It's a long-term issue that I think we need to openly speak about in Canada because uh, it is affecting um, people, I mean human, uh, adults, children, teenagers, like it it hits all levels and uh, we've seen recently, you know, the the young boy who who died in in, uh, in the western province and a year ago an indigenous girl uh, that was quite young. Right. So, you know, the, you see these things, and when people do uh, just back away from the whatever it is that they're confronting, it, it just it's just hidden. So I just felt and have been feeling that it's, it's important to, to talk to people that we can work as partners. Uh, I recently had um, a, a session not long ago uh, and the uh, tech giants were there, other big partners were there. And um, after the discussion, they wanted to meet again. So mm. they are concerned, uh, but it's a, it's, it's a process, I think, where we just need to figure out where some of those um, things are that we can do. But one thing that I think we can do as parents and grandparents and, you know, as, as you, your age, you all have young children, uh, is to talk to our children, whether you're a grandparent or a parent, just to uh, explain to them that there's good and there's bad on social media. And the bad, you need to try and explain that and, uh, and to watch out for things and to be ap- open to, to you, to as par- to parents about their about what's going on. Uh, and if you can't do that uh, as, a, as a young person, find somebody that you trust. So that gives us an opportunity to try, help support the individual that's going through a difficult right. period because of this online hate. You, you, you confronted it uh, to try to uh, uh, inspire change, provoke change. Yes. Uh, and you're still seeing some difficult examples, but I just wonder if throughout this process you've seen some change or some individuals, moments, that, that have made you feel better about where this is going? Well, I get lots of messages in a positive sense. Many, many Canadians um, 
always let me know that they appreciate the work that I'm doing and then they're highly supportive of, of the approach I'm taking. Um, but on social media, I don't think there's been really much change yet. Um, I think this is, has been a sort of a hidden uh, subject that openly hasn't been discussed a lot, although I suppose some uh, people have really made efforts to do that. But as a country, I think I mean, this is happening worldwide, but as a country, I think we have a lot of work to do. Uh, in your time in this role, you've transitioned from the Queen's representative to the King's representative. And ahead of the, the coronation in May, you and Canada's national Indigenous leaders met with King Charles. What was that moment like for you? It was historic because um, in the whole history of our relationship, um, there had never been a meeting of three national leaders representing all three distinct nations uh, with the king. And, in, and this was the first time that, that there was an opportunity to do that. And it was encouraging to, to see that the king gave the three leaders that time like day, a day before his coronation. So, of course, they were also very busy, but he did take the time to have that discussion. And the discussion was very good. They talked about uh, explaining a lot of the issues that are faced here. The king also talked about his uh, priorities and his passions, and they make, made a commitment to meet again. So we're going to be organizing another meeting. I think it might be through Zoom or Teams, but at this point, we're not sure how it's going to happen, but there's a commitment to do that. That would be a moment in and of itself, wouldn't it? The indigenous leaders uh, from here meeting with the king over Zoom. Uh, yes. I, I, I suspect when you started your, your work, uh, you know, uh, many years ago, you didn't anticipate a moment like that ever happening. No, I did not. And it, it was always face-to-face, -face, no matter what. There were no, no such um, technical tools that we had. But it sounds like the king is, is, is willing to engage further on this, right? On, on progress towards, towards a renewed and improved and, and evolved relationship uh, with indigenous people. Yes, and I, you know, as in, we're called indigenous people, but we're all very distinct in our own way. Uh, Inuit are, are very much engaged in the Crown Inuit relationship, and um, the national organization encouraged the king to come north when, if he comes to to Canada, uh, so that he could he could um, participate in an Inuit to Crown meeting with the Prime Minister and the King. So we just hope that that could happen. Uh, for other First Nations and Métis, they have differing views about the Crown, relationship with the Crown, but the majority that I speak to want to engage and, and to improve the relationship. So uh, this, that's my commitment. That's the commitment that I've made in terms of my role as Governor General to get people to talk to each other about how you can move things forward. And uh, the relationship with the Crown, uh, in this case King Charles III, is an opportunity for that engagement to take place in a, in a more probably tangible way. I, I know there's some criticism uh, from the monarchists here in Canada after you met with the King and suggested that at some point Canada may have to have a conversation of a future without the monarchy or, or without the royals. Has that in any way affected your relationship with the king? Has your relationship with him evolved, uh, evolved since that time? Nothing. No, it hasn't had a detrimental uh, effect. 
Um, I've always said that everybody has the right to discuss the, f the future of the country, mm -hmm. but I also say that, um, you know, our, our system right now is strong. We have a very strong supporter in the, in the King, Charles III. He wants to have engage Canadians and in, in improve the relationship. Uh, so that commitment is there, and that they talked about that um, when they when the three leaders met with him and had the audience. Uh, my role is to continue working for what I was uh, appointed for, which is to keep Canada together and to safeguard the constitutional monarchy uh, because it's working for us, uh, although there are people that think it is not. but. We haven't also talked about any alternatives at this right. point. I think it's it's working. I, I'm a big supporter because I'm representing King Charles III. And even if I wasn't, I would still be in this kind of mindset. So it's really important to just... Um, exp you don't even have to, like... People that talk about not wanting the monarchist uh, system um, haven't told us anything about what alternative there is. Right. And at this point, I, my position is that we have a strong monarchist government. Do you think we might see the king come to Canada in 2024? I know this is something a lot of people would be keen to see. Do you think it will happen? Well, it's hard to say. I think he has a lot of requests <laughs> to go to the Commonwealth countries and also to other big, huge uh, conferences, which he just spoke at in the, in the climate change uh, conference. His statement was very strong. It worries me greatly that we remain so dreadfully far off track. And um, he's very passionate about the environment and is very concerned about climate change. And he, he connects with the indigenous people. I, I could see that, like they had a lot in common in the, when they talked about yeah. climate change, environmental issues, uh, the, the, the idea that we should safeguard the nature that we have and uh, look, look at the environment in a more holistic way and not just the devastation, but also protect the areas that are in good shape. Another notable world figure you spent time with this year was uh, Ukrainian President Volodymyr uh, Zelensky. I'm not going to ask you about the visitor in the gallery. I want to ask you about a particular word in his speech. I had the honor of meeting with the Governor General of Canada. She taught me a word, Ayuinata. She said, the meaning of this word is don't give up. Don't give up, stay strong against all odds. Ayuinata, Canada. Ayuinata. Ukraine. Slava Ukraine! Do you have any sense that it resonated with President Zelensky to the point that he was going to put it in his speech? I, I knew the word Ayuinata really resonated with him and he wanted me to explain to him everything about the word. Uh, so I did that and uh, I could tell he took it to heart but he didn't really say anything else. Um, uh, so when he was speaking in the House of Commons, you know, like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm watching his speech and all of a sudden he starts talking about this very important word in our culture. And for him, I think it really touched him because he is never giving up. And that really, like, the word itself really, like, 
describes him to a T. So he's not the type of leader that is easily giving up. Since the composition of the House of Commons has changed over the years, and since your appointment as Governor General, we've heard Inuktitut spoken in more official capacities and in the Parliament. What was it like to see a, a wartime Ukrainian leader speak it uh, on the floor of the House of Commons? Well, for a person of Inuk, uh, as an Inuk, it brought tears to my eyes because it was so important that the world could hear an Inuktitut word that was so significant in terms of the survival of our people uh, and continues to be a very important word in our culture. So when the uh, president uh, used that word and described uh, what it meant, uh, it was very, very um, uh, heartfelt. And I've talked to a lot of uh, people in the North and, you know, they're so, like, so proud that such a president could have spoken, oh, even if it's only one word, but it was so important to him that he did that. But it's the meaning of the word, right? And yeah, it's the, the meaning of the word, yeah. matters so much. And it applies to the work you did before coming into this particular job and the work towards reconciliation. And here we are now, an Inuk woman, you know, holding the position of Governor General. We've just marked the third national day uh, for, for truth and, and reconciliation. Um, we're seeing a, a greater level of awareness on this particular issue. I mean, where do you think Canada is right now on, on the path to reconciliation as we get near the end of 2023? Uh, well, I think Canada is experiencing a lot of challenging issues right now. And um, it's important just to be able to be part of the very different conversations as Governor General. But in terms of my own work, um, I have traveled across the country talking about uh, what reconciliations means to us as a country and to give space to those that have been uh, marginalized uh, and not given equal uh, opportunities. And, and uh, it's important for each of us to get to know each other and to be able to live side by side with respect, without racism, without... And it's, you know, people think that's a dream, but it, do, it can happen. I mean, people have to make the effort. It's a hard conversation. Reconciliation is not about easy issues. Reconciliation is about what happened in our country historically. That's part of the conversation. And how we can move forward with it. And uh, when I was uh, appointed, I was, you know, in my mandate, uh, reconciliation between Indigenous peoples and other Canadians was very important uh, in Canada. So I've had a lot of questions from other leaders around the world about what we're doing because they are interested because they're engaging that in that process at different levels as well. So it was, it's been really a... Um, I guess I suppose it's kind of the op, uh, positive, optimistic side of where, where, where I'm trying to work towards. And it is challenging because I know that uh, many can Canadians are suffering through all the stuff that we're going through right now. And uh, in the end, I always say each of us has to come, get up every morning and try to be a positive day for the day, for the day so that physically and mentally we can 
live as, as individuals that are happy with ourselves. And I think that's really important, and, and that goes a long way towards reconciliation. Just as a, a final point, you're getting near the midway point, I, I think, of your term. I mean, as, as we look forward to a new year, I mean, what are your priorities going to be um, for the new year and, and for the rest of your time here at Rideau Hall? Well, uh, yes, I'm about halfway through my mandate, and we have um, worked a lot on the issues that, uh, that I've brought to Rideau Hall, um, uh, working with Canadians, and we've done a lot of that, and we will continue doing that because it's, reconciliation is a process. There's no end, end sight to it. But you, I want to be able to leave my post uh, in, with a position that I have entrenched certain views in Canada that will help move the country forward. Uh, even on mental health, it's the same thing. Mental health is a difficult issue. Many Canadians are suffer suffering uh, from mental health because of um, a lot of it COVID-related, but it's not just about COVID. It's about the, the whole system that we have. Uh, I think we have always put a lot of emphasis on our physical health, but not the same kind of uh, priority in terms of our mental health. So we have to have a better balanced approach to the whole thing because one doesn't work from the other, away from the other, and um, we need to look at how that is happening in Canada. And it's, it, it can be like uh, when I work and talk to people uh, in remote regions, like in rural areas, right. not in southern Canada, we have a lot of people working as volunteers, working with young people that are trying to help people that are in uh, in, a, in a crisis, mental health crisis. And I've met so many women, especially, that, that really are working uh, with very little to work with. And in fact, in the North, we don't really have a service for mental health. I was just talking to people up North today and, you know, the crisis situations that they, they, they go through as families. Uh, there's nowhere to go except if you're in a big community like Iqaluit, Right. Uh, or Yellowknife, you know, the big, big towns in the north, and that hospital service is there. But in terms of traveling psychiatrists and so on, they're very rare. They visit, but they're, they're very rare. So it's, uh, it's really something that I think we need to look at very seriously. Governor General Mary Simon, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thanks for being here. That's it for today. If you like this episode, please follow the pod and catch our next live show on CBC News Network. We're on weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm David Cochran. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.